0: Hello and welcome to episode 266 of Section 138. I'm your host, Mark Cauley, as always, joined by Bryson and Jacob. And Jacob, I'll steal it away from you before you say it. The Leafs finally won something. Wow. How are you guys? Oh,
1: I couldn't hit the (laughs) unmute. I couldn't hit the unmute button fast enough. Damn it. All right, well. I'll tell you what. It was nice to have two Toronto teams win a series this week. Um, Yeah, you beat me to it. Yeah, I mean... Either way, is you know, it was a fun weekend, I think, but uh, this team's got a lot to work on. I think we'll get into that.
2: It was uh, an electric weekend for sure in the city of Toronto. And of course, I'm glad that Mark beat you to it, Jacob. Thank goodness about that one. But of course, for the Blue Jays, as much as today on the Sunday did not end exactly in the greatest ways, it was still a successful weekend. And of course, overall, it was a successful homestand as well. Coming very close to sweeping both series, of course, to complete this perfect homestand before they head on a road trip. But it definitely a, a fun weekend, of course, it's a, a good weekend. And of course, the return of Teoscar Hernandez as well, a former face who got a warm welcome on Friday night. And of course, Mark, as we predicted,
0: at some point this weekend, who hit a homer? Yes, he did. Um, it just so happened that it was in the wrong game for the Blue Jays, a game that the Blue Jays lost, and that's a series finale. So let's start there. We have a lot of positives to talk about from this series. I think, Jacob, it seemed like you were a little pessimistic about what went on over the last three days. I'm still very optimistic about this team. They finished the month of April 18-10. and 10. That's a third best record in the month of April in franchise history. They start the season on a crazy run that ties the best start to a season in franchise history. And you also have the pitchers pitching their asses off and going on the best, you know, 8, 9, 10 game streak in franchise history. So to me, you can't look at this series anything as anything else than a success even if you lose one game you're playing the mariners they're a better team than the white Sox. blow-ups are going to happen no matter how good a team you are you're going to be clicking and sometimes things are going to fall apart and so that's basically how i'm viewing this game i'm interested in seeing if you guys look at that similarly but to me this is not a big deal at all it's baseball it's 162 you're going to lose games you're going to make mistakes things like these are inevitable and As much as you can't make excuses for guys, when you're on a streak like this, you can afford to lose a game or two. I know that might make people mad to say that, but if you're playing this well, sometimes things aren't going to go your way. And that's what happened today, and I'm not really that upset. I think we saw some good fight from this team, climbing back from that grand slam in the top of the first to make it a ball game and get up 8-4, even if they did blow it. So, I'll take it. I'm not too upset with what happened.
1: Well, now that I've had a few seconds to collect myself, because that really did catch me off guard, the Leaf comment, um, you do make a good point in the sense that, yeah, like, you can't expect to win every single game, and I mean, the Blue Jays, I think going into today's game, we're projected, I know this is not going to happen, but we're projected to win like 102 or 3, whatever the total was, like, they're still projected to do very well this season, and you said this, the month of April, it was very good for this team. They, yeah, had some streaks where they were still figuring things out specifically earlier on in the season, like the first week or two, but it was, quite, I would say it was a good series, but there are still a few things that I'm, you know, not, not that I'm not sold on, but, you know, things that I think are, I guess, noteworthy throughout the rest of the season. I mean, Alec Manoa in uh in that first game, definitely a lot better. I mean, five innings, Uh, I mean, the six hits, Two earns, seven strikeouts, four walks. So the command, like, sort of there, sort of not there. Uh, you know, same thing. I mean, similarly with uh, Chris Bassett, you know, throwing a lot of pitches in um in those two starts, and with Chris Bassett, it. I m- maybe he's I, like I don't want to say he's not going to be as good as we were expecting him to be, but like at the same time, we didn't bring him in to be an ace, and like yeah, okay, the four you're talking with Chris in the first inning. yeah.
0: I Just feel like yet. you're expecting too much of him. Like I know, that's what I he's mean. He's not like, going to be well, an
1: A's. Yeah, no, but, so, other than the first inning, it wasn't a bad start, but, I mean, for people thinking that he was going to be, like, a, a Ross Stripling end-of-the-season replacement last year, definitely not what we can uh, what we can expect out of him, but that second game, I think, is what concerns me uh, the most, because you got to remember, you have a guy on the Mariners making his Major League, or, sorry, not his Major League debut, his second Major League appearance, who had the Blue Jays no-hit through six and two-thirds, and it was funny. He got pulled after that with like 70 pitches or 50, 60 pitches. Like he had a few five pitch innings and he was just dominating this team. They ended up winning it one to nothing. So it's not like that, bad in terms of win loss record. But if Kevin Gosman was not, well, not even Kevin Gosman, if the entire pitching staff was not lights out, they would have lost that game. And it was a great moment for Dalton Varsho. but I think it's just showing that this team can be exploited by other good teams. Like you can dominate this offense. You can take a, a shaky bullpen and not necessarily be as good. And I know I'm sounding like really, really negative here for a team that just took two out of three from the Seattle Mariners who were a playoff team last season. But it's the fact that the first game was good. I'm I'm okay with that first game. That second game, you were just shut down offensively. And then that third game, your pitching just let you down. So, I mean, we'll see. Who are they playing next? I think it is they're going to Boston. So yeah, they have you know if i mean they have a week long road trip or a couple weeks long but they have an opportunity to get away from home you know hopefully get on a bit of a roll but it was a series that i was definitely looking and thinking hmm, things could be a little bit better i think and i say could be better for a team that's still projected to win the games in the upper 90s but i just want to see this bullpen get worked on and i definitely do want to see some differences in the way that the offense is managed
2: um okay <laughs> well i don't know if it was the leafs that pretty much heighten your expectations, but I mean five and one homestand, two out of three this weekend, sweeping Sixth the White Sox before today. Before today, the bullpen pitching fifteen scoreless innings, are we are we just ignoring that, Jacob?
1: It was good, but at the same time, like it just you look at today's game and they couldn't even get an out without giving up a couple yes. runs.
2: No, of course today was definitely not from what we pretty much in terms of what we've seen the last week and pretty much throughout this series obviously was not the same result of what we've been getting throughout this homestand though but of course I'm going to go back to pretty much what I said off the top this bullpen has been fantastic throughout this weekend throughout this homestand throughout these uh, first couple of days as well Um, and even going back to I guess the starting pitching I mean yes Alec Manoa went five innings of course in the Friday game but we also saw a lot of we saw a lot of similarities in terms of not being the sharpest but of course in terms of something that we haven't seen this year, he was finding ways to get out of it. Of course, this year so far, when Alcunoa has struggled, he has not been able to get himself out of it. And that is pretty much, it comes with the or the fact that he has inflated numbers and everything like that. So as much as he didn't have his A-game in terms of his stuff, uh, he was definitely able to get some, pretty much some key outs, of course, before things handed off to the bullpen. But I mean, if you, if you want to look at the bullpen on Friday night with Meza, Garcia, Swanson, Romano, no runs um, allowed to the Seattle Mariners and that kept the, that kept the, uh, the Jays in control throughout most of it. And then if you want to go to the Saturday game, Kevin Godsman, of course is something who or somebody who continues to dominate of course I mean he sets a, a career high this week with or this past start with 13 strikeouts. he leads MLB with 54 strikeouts. he hands things off to the bullpen. Zach Pop, Jordan Romano, Eric Swanson keep the Mariners at zero. Zero in 10 innings. And of course, the highlight for me was Eric Swanson, of course, in the 10th inning, especially in extra innings with the runner on second base, the fact that he was able to keep the Mariners at zero again. Uh, And of course, today was definitely uh, pretty much a completely different story in the Sunday game. But of course, a lot... Of that had to do with the fact that these uh, key guys, in terms of Romano and Swanson, were unavailable. I mean, of course they were pitching on back-to-back days, which means this team had no other choice but to get or to go uh, to other names to get outs, and unfortunately that was not successful. For the most part, of course uh, Trevor Richards came out, got two innings, of course he gave up a run, but or a few runs, but at the same time, I think we'll take what, what Trevor Richards gave. Uh, the concern for me remains the concern uh, in terms of this bullpen. The only part that I'm concerned about is, again, the performance of Anthony Bass. Of course, his splits now have become a major highlight in terms of his usage or his effectiveness versus right or righty batters again, and then lefty batters. And, of course, against lefty batters, he's uh, struggling to get outs. And, of course, this is something that has been pretty much consistent with them throughout this entire season Jimmy Garcia comes in two out in the ninth inning Mariners are down to their final strike can't put, or can't get the job done and of course that's how the Mariners tied the game so outside of that performance today I just think in terms of your expectations and in terms of your analysis I think it's a bit harsh. To criticize this bullpen after what they've done in terms of the last 15 innings. Again, prior to the Sunday game, they have gone perfect in terms of not allowing a run. 26 strikeouts, two walks. And of course, this is again, ran or highlighted by the main pieces. Jordan Romano and Eric Swanson then of course on top of that what you mentioned Mark with the winning streak this team ends off a five and one homestand you take care of the White Sox could have easily won today's game of course against the Mariners but of course as much as it had a little bit of a sour ending in terms of this homestand I mean I think you could be fine coming away five and one and then going on the road for a pretty nice road trip
0: yeah the vibes to start this podcast I'm kind of thrown off right now I'm way thrown off Mark (laughs) I did not expect to come in here on the defensive and have to justify what the Jays did this weekend, but apparently we are. I mean, like, look, yeah. Are you happy about the Blue Jays getting one hit off a guy making his first major league start? Of course not. Like, you want them to do better. That's the type of pitcher they should be lighting up.
1: Not even a hit. Like, they had no base runners for, like, pretty much that entire outing.
0: They got, what, one walk and the match happened double, was it?
1: Yeah, and then he was pulled right after that. Yeah. The double.
0: And, like, yeah, if he had kept pitching, I mean, I don't really know if we ever got a reason why he was pulled so early. He was at 65 pitches, so I don't he know went if... on the IL today, so maybe that has something to oh, do with it. Oh, yeah. interesting. Okay, that's probably why. There was probably something nagging him. But, yeah, like, I don't... Like, you're not happy about that, and of course you're not happy about the fact that the Blue Jays blew a four-run lead and lost a game in extras, and every reliever they brought in gave up a run, like... I'm not happy about those things, but when you're winning as much as the Blue Jays have been, there's room for error. There's room to make these mistakes. I think where the concern creeps in for me is if it starts to become a trend. Like if you get three games in a row where they blow a game out of the bullpen or the relievers can't be trusted or they get one or two or three hits through the first five, six, seven innings. Like that's when... It starts to become a problem for me, but when they're playing this good, and you have one blip on the radar, I'm not getting worried at all. And, you know, if we're here on, whatever it is, Thursday night, Friday morning, talking about the Boston Red Sox taking three of four from the Blue Jays, and the Blue Jays giving up games at the bullpen and not hitting, like, yeah, we're going to be having those conversations, but one game alone, I'm not worried at all, so... I guess you're a move, Jacob. What do you say to that? I, mean, I,
1: I, the only the only reason why I'm a little worried is they easily could have lost all three of those games. And yes, the mm-hmm. offense came in it. clutch, but well, it came in clutch in, in you know certain situations. But you easily could lose game uh, two if uh, if your pitching is not perfect, like quite literally perfect. Uh, today, offense was good, but I mean there were some questionable calls um, in the first inning with uh, Chris Bassett, which. D- all I will say is if you get that that pitch, you call it a ball. I don't know how the heck is that that is called a strike to uh, other players because it was called a a ball on a lefty batter and then a strike, I think it was to either Vladdy or Kirk. Uh, it was called a strike, literally the exact same location. But uh, anyways, this easily could have been a, a, a coin flip of a series based on the way that the team played. And I think that's just where I'm a little bit like, ooh, okay, you win, yes, but it's like at the same time, you can't rely on these types of wins. Like, if you're going to have good pitching, which you did at times, and your your offense is also going to be good, you need those things to be good, or else, you know, you look at, I mean, after this, I mean, schedule's not actually that easy. I mean, you get Atlanta, Philly, Pittsburgh, Yankees, Orioles, Rays, Brewers, like, it, they got a tough schedule ahead of them. If, and if you're just barely scraping by, I mean, the, the month of May could, I think, get ugly for them. But that being said, they are still playing well in terms of getting wins, to some extent, yeah, that's all that matters, but at the same time, I think this just might be a bit of a an evaluative time for the team, where it's like, is Anthony Bass really going to stay here? Is Nate Pearson going to take his role? Does Kevin Biggio belong on a major league roster? <laughs> well, <get> based <laughs> off of, I mean, Whit Merrifield's got a hit, uh, no, sorry, he's, he's been on base in every single
0: game, game that he's street. appeared in.
1: Why is he not playing every day?
0: Yep, well, I don't know
1: why he's not playing every day. Let, so.
0: let, let's talk about that right now, because that's kind of yeah, the okay. next topic. On the list of going down he is on a 20 game on base streak he's gotten on base in every single game the Blue Jays have played he is living up to his name of two-hit wit he had two hits on was it Friday night that he played and actually you know got playing time as opposed to Saturday night when he was sitting on the bench for that game um, yeah so Saturday he, he got two hits on Friday Saturday he's not in the lineup and um i don't know what do we what what do we make of this what do we make of this decision like is there any justifying why biggio is getting playing times in an environment like this right now like why why do you have a good reason why Merrifield isn't in there every day? Because for me, I don't. Like, at this point, we talked about it last episode, he's proven that he should be starting every single day. And he's proven that he should be higher in the lineup, right? He's got on base in 20 consecutive games. He should not be hitting 789. And we kind of saw this in today's game where he moved up to 5, Dalton Varsho moved down. That's the type of move I want to see. I want to see him in the lineup every day, and I want to see him hitting 5th or 6th. Is there any reason why he shouldn't like? Do either of you have a justification for why Kevin Biggio started that day and Whit Merrifield didn't?
1: Other than the fact that Kevin Biggio hits from the left, I don't really know what the explanation is. And if even if it is, he's a lefty. Don Varsillo hits left. Kevin Kiermaier hits left. In my opinion, those two should be playing every day. Like you shouldn't be taking out Kiermaier so that Whit Merrifield can finally get an at bat um, in the outfield. Like he should be your everyday second baseman. I know he doesn't hit right, but he runs the base as well. Obviously, if he plays 140 games, he's not going to get on base every single time. But he has proven that in this small sample size, he is a much better overall player than Kevin Biggio, And I don't know how he does not play every day. Even just if it's you look, you get rid of the uh, of of the offense, his defense and his running ability is a lot better. I I, I just I, I don't know why Kevin Biggio is playing more often. And I've seen a few people, and I don't I'm, I'm hesitant to even mention this, but I think it was a, it was one of those videos of, or it was like some guy doing like an ordinary job and it was like Kevin Biggio, if his last name wasn't Biggio and it was basically, if he didn't have the name, he wouldn't be here. I don't really want to buy into that. I know he came up with, with Vlad and Bo and all these guys, but at some point I think you eventually need to, to say like, look, this is not our best lineup with Kevin Biggio in it. Somebody else needs to be here because if you're going to intentionally keep a guy like Whit Merrifield on the bench, I think that that, that, that does make your offense uh and your overall team a little bit weaker.
2: Yeah, it's um it's kind of something where you don't I guess know the true answer to other than the fact that we know the one thing is that uh John Schneider really likes Kevin Bijou and that that that's a fact, uh regardless of anyone who disagrees with that. And of course, even with performance-driven, that's just something that John Schneider likes to, likes to do. He likes to keep Kevin Vijo in the lineup, uh, I guess, on a not a consistent basis, but he gets him a good number of at-bats. And of course, I think the first time for me questioning that definitely did come this weekend. And of course, we were fresh off that episode, Mark, where we were talking about two-hit wit being back. And of course, the whole move him up in the order, which obviously came true today on the Sunday game. But of course, just more on the along the lines of getting him more reps and getting him more consistent at-bats. And that's something that we believe that he's earned. And of course, his numbers have proven that. But of course, that's not what happened on Saturday. And I think there was... I remember hearing one part throughout the White Sox series when Biggio was playing against Lance Lynn. And I remember uh, pretty much the reasoning for that from manager John Schneider was that he really liked Biggio's base or his like swing path against Lance Lynn or something like that. So maybe there was some sort of unknown stat or reasoning behind the move to throw him out there on Saturday against uh, Easton McGee, other than the fact that he throws with his right hand. And of course, Bijou swings from the left side. I don't know. I'm not trying to defend him for any of that. It's just more of a, kind of a little, just a little bit of a head uh, scratcher, of course, because of the fact that Whit Merrifield definitely has earned the right to be in the lineup more often. So I know he definitely moved up today. Uh, A little bit of of a different look today. Of course, Dalton Varsho swapped uh, with Whit Merrifield and was pretty much hitting at the 7th spot today. So, I don't know if that's something that we're going to see more of throughout the road trip. I mean, it's something that is definitely quite possible, and I believe uh, in Boston this week the Jays are seeing four righties, uh, or else I could be wrong, but I believe that was the first thing I saw, was that they are going to be facing a lot of righties. So that's potentially, it's going to be interesting to see the decision factor behind how many games is Bijou going to play in this series, because I I think it's safe to say he's going to play in at least one out of those four in Boston, but... I guess in terms of everybody else being in the lineup, how many more at-bats will Whit Mirafield get? With the Kevin Kiermaier thing, I think the one thing that has been uh, proven true or that has been revealed is that they want to kind of give him the odd day off because of the fact that he is coming back from hip surgery, so they don't want him in there every single day. Of course, they want him in there majority of the time, and of course, in a lot of the days where he does sit, he does come off the bench late, and then of course he gets either he comes in as a defensive replacement, or if you saw today on the Sunday game, he came out today and had a, an at-bat where he tried to bunt, but of course did not do that. So I think that's one of the reasonings for Kevin Kiermaier not being in the lineup all the time. But of course, most of the time he is in the lineup. But I mean, the odd time where he is sitting a little bit more than you would have probably expected. And of course, there's the whole thing with Brandon Belt, how many, you know, he's not playing as much as he did at the beginning of the year. So when you look at all these factors, you definitely see the pathway where, Whit Merrifield should be getting more at-bats. I do think it's something that's still going to come along the lines of it. But of course, in terms of answering your Biggio question, we know that John Schneider loves him. I don't know what his future holds, of course, if you want to get into that topic. I'm not I'm not ready to get go that far yet. But of course, in terms of limiting playing time, I'm definitely there to support the idea that Whit should be getting more at-bats. And of course, Santiago Espinal had a good game again today as well. So perhaps you see more at-bats from him as well uh, throughout the next couple of days. But of course, it's the fact of the... The fact that Bijou can hit from the left side and, of course, the multiple positions thing, so we'll see what happens from there.
1: Can I just say, I'm okay with giving Kevin Biggio the opportunity to earn his way into the lineup, but at some point, you have to make the hard decision and say, Whit Merrifield, or whoever it is, is better than you right now. This player is going to get more opportunities. And to me, it's just, it's baffling me that this is now, what, a couple seasons in a row where Biggio, I know he's had some injury problems, but... He's definitely had some issues and he's still getting more opportunities than in my opinion he should.
0: Yeah, to be fair, he didn't play a whole bunch last season and
1: yeah, like I guess I don't
0: know, he hasn't really gotten consistent playing time in quite a while. Like he had 97 games last season, 79 games the year prior and then 2020 was a real season where he did get consistent playing time. He played 59 of 60 games and he had an OPS plus of 122 that season. So like, I guess that's what the Blue Jays are targeting, trying to get him back to, but he's really not that guy right now. And so he shouldn't be taking at-bats away from someone like Whit Merrifield, who is that guy right now and who is, you know, playing as well as he's ever played, or at least with the Blue Jays, you know, and it's a 21 on-base streak 21 game on base streak, not 20 games because he got on base today. So, like, it's just he continues to impress and impress, and he shouldn't be taking play away from those guys. And so, like, I know people are saying DFA, Kevin Biggio, and I don't think we're at that point yet because you're going to lose him if you send him down. But like, Jacob is. <laughs> he's out of options, right? Don't,
1: don't put words in my mouth.
0: Bryson, I you're the one. So. Yeah, you're the one who always knows the facts on that one. He's out of options. So, like, if you send There's him three down, three options left. Sorry. Oh, okay. Well, then you don't have to DFA him. All right, then send him down. My mind has changed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. Well, here's the thing. Also, if you send him down, he can get more uh, consistent at bats. Yeah. Or just can... playing time in general. Like, if it, yeah, if you're claiming that it's not a uh, skill issue, it's more of a or it's more of a playing time issue. I don't see why why he giving him two at bats uh, every three days or three at bats, whatever, yeah. is going to help him.
0: I thought he was out of options. So yeah, send him down. Who do you bring up? Well, yeah, that's the other issue. Like no one is demanding the Blue Jays to call him up right now. Like Addison Barger hasn't been doing well in AAA. Otto Lopez hasn't been doing well in AAA. Who else is down there? Relvis, right? He, I don't think he's off to a good start to the season. So like, that's the other consideration here. No one is forcing the Blue Jays hand and actually playing well Or well enough to justify sending BGO down. So that's the other issue at hand. So maybe, you know, sending him down, uh, having him go down to AAA is a little bit extreme right now. If you have no one else who's going to play better than him. But I don't know, like, get him out of the lineup at the very least. Like, he shouldn't be in there in place of Merrifield. Merrifield should be playing regularly because he's playing better. Anyways, on the topic of Merrifield, I want to ask you guys... Um, I know some people might disagree with this, and it's probably not a popular opinion because it worked out for the Blue Jays, but in Saturday's game, bottom of the 10th, bases loaded, Matt Chapman gets the intentional walk, Dalton Varsho comes up to hit. And we all know what happened in that at bat, he lines that ball into right field, the Blue Jays win the game. Should the Blue Jays have pinch hit Dalton Varsho with Whit Merrifield? Because I am a firm believer in that they should have pinched hit for Dalton Varshow. Dalton Varshow is hitting just above 100 in his last 18 games prior to that game. Like, Dalton Varsho is not a guy who should be getting the big moment with the bat right now. I accept that he is adding a lot to this team. And he'll run hot and cold. And right now he's cold. He was hot to start the season. His defense is impeccable no matter what. He should not be at bat in those situations when you have someone like Whit Merrifield on the bench. I think the Blue Jays should have pinch it for him. It's a little tough to advocate that in hindsight because it worked out for the Blue Jays and they won the game. But in that situation, I really want to see someone like Whit Merrifield at bat instead of someone like Dalton Varsho who's hitting 113 in his last 18 games.
1: This so. might be a bit of a hot take, but I think that pinch hitting for Dalton Varshow would do a lot more harm than good. I, like, Here's the thing. You bring him in. You bring him in to be an everyday left fielder or everyday player, whatever position. Obviously, he's struggling right now, and I'm not denying that. Even today, actually, today he had a better, uh, better game. But yeah, he's he's struggling. Let's not deny that. That being said, if you're Dalton Varsho, this is your new team. You're like, look at Matt Chapman last year. This is your new team. You're not off to the greatest of starts, but if you want to gain the trust of them or you want to, you know, have mutual trust, you know that, yeah, they're going to give me these opportunities to try and do something, and obviously it did work out, and who knows, if he strikes out or whatever, we could be, or I mean, me specifically, I could be eating my words on this one, but I really do think that if you're trying to to give one of your regulars the confidence that they're able to actually, you know, go in these situations and do something, you leave them in, and, and you let them work through it, and, you know, maybe if it's like you, you desperately need a win, like if this is September and they need a win, or else their playoff chances are over... Fair enough, but like I know games still in, in April and May and really all season matter just as much in terms of your win-loss record, but right now I think that y- you give your, your players the chance to really just get into a groove and even if they're struggling, you give them the opportunity to play. I mean, look at, not not exactly a similar comparison, but Teoscar Hernandez, he had a terrible series, but he still played all three games, still hit a home run in, in that third game, but I still think that even if somebody is struggling... If they're one of your regulars, you let them play.
2: I mean, obviously, Merrifield probably should have been in the lineup to begin with, based on what we were just saying. But um, yeah, I mean, it never really came to my mind. I'll be honest, in terms of any sort of move like that, it just never came to one of those things where you kind of look back saying, "Should they have?" Like for me, it just it was never a question that uh, came back to ask me about that one. So I think for all the reasons you said, Jacob, I'm, um, is probably why I was fine with what they did in terms of. Uh, not pitch hitting him for Whit Merrifield, of course and perhaps you know moving him down the lineup now for Dalton Varsho is going to help him a little bit more maybe take some pressure off of his back who knows how consistent that's going to be but um, I would I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that we see I guess stick now for the next couple of weeks in terms of just trying to get him not to overthink it too much and just try to get back on track and not trying to do too much of course of all the factors you were talking about of course the new team thing the new impression thing so yeah, like, it just, for me, when his uh, opportunity came up in the 10th inning, it was definitely his to win it. Uh, and then, of course, that's exactly what he did. I mean, they loaded, the, they pretty much uh, intentionally walked Matt Chapman to pitch to, uh, pitch to Dalton Varsho. And, of course, he takes one of the first pitches that the at-bat hits it to, re- to right field and wins the game. So, I mean, again, Merrifield probably should have been in the lineup along with Varsho anyway. Uh, and then, of course, if it was a situation like it was today in the Sunday game, Merrifield would have been hitting in the fifth spot and then Varsha would have been in the seventh spot. So yeah, I never got to that point in terms of making that sort of change uh later on in the game. I don't know if I don't know how long that stays. I mean again, I, I just for me taking out Varsha is definitely risky too in in terms of the fact if you don't win the game, then you lose that defense if the game continues on. Uh of course, if they ended up tying the game and that was it. So I just think there's a lot of repercussions that come afterward of uh after that. But of course, the objective, of course, at first is to just try and win the game and you don't have to worry about any of that. So, but for me, Merrifield should be playing more, of course, but I, yeah, I never got to the point of uh, considering making that change or even that change coming to my head in terms of why didn't they do that.
0: Interesting. I was thinking of it before the inning started, like I was going over in my head, like these are the guys who are going to be up to bat. If it gets to Show, we need to have Merrifield in there and yeah, it worked out. So it's like hard to advocate for it in hindsight, but. Something that I think that John Schneider should have done. And moving forward, if the Blue Jays are in those situations, and heaven forbid Whit Merrifield is on the bench and not starting a game, he should be getting those at-bats. But anyways, water under the bridge because the Blue Jays win that game. Um, Teoscar Hernandez makes his return to the Rogers Center. We've mentioned him a couple of times. He got a really, really nice ovation on Friday night from the fans, both when He had his um, video tribute on the board and then during his first at-bat as well. One thing I found interesting during the first at-bat, we learned that apparently in order to not have a pitch clock violation called on you, you, teams have to submit a request 24 hours in advance of whatever might be happening or an ovation or whatever to avoid a pitch clock violation, which is just wild. Like, it goes back to what we were saying a week or so ago. Like, just use your brain. (laughs) Like, umpires just need to take a breath and realize that this is not about them. This is not about the clock. It's about more than the game. Just take a deep breath. Take a step back. Let the game breathe. Let the moment breathe. Let the emotion come in. Give it a minute and then let it pass. Like, I don't understand why we have this... 24-hour request period to get an ovation for a guy like I don't know it makes zero sense to me it seems like the dumbest thing ever when an umpire can just like they already have the power to wave their hand and the clock restarts or stop the clock or they can do whatever the hell they want I don't see why they can't just do that if a guy is stepping out of the box to tip his cap to a home crowd to me it's very very dumb I'm sure you guys share the same opinion we've talked about this before.
1: Yeah, I just think the whole situation is just, it's ridiculous. Like, the fact that you have to do it 24 hours before, like, why can't I just say, hey, um, yeah. our game starts in, like, it's, it's 10 in the morning, like, I just like, got to the office. Or
0: not even, like, couldn't it be like when you're exchanging lineups at the start of the game, John Schneider yeah. just goes, hey, by the way, like, Teo's making his return today, there might be a big ovation when he comes up to bat. Like, simple yeah, or, as that.
1: Or just have something where, like, uh, you, know, you can signal like wh- whatever the signal is like you're going to do four pitches to intentionally walk them or like hang on look uh, or have a review like have some type of signal where it says and you know maybe they limit it but it's like you have X amount of times where you can just stop the clock between at bats because I mean even that, like,
0: I think that's like too formal like as an umpire you should just be able to see what's happening around you and recognize this is a big mm-hmm. moment Like yeah, fair. It's, I don't know to me it seems like common sense
1: Yeah, well, another big thing, and this kind of goes along the same line. Do you remember in the home opener? I think it was Bichette. No, who? Some was it? Um, it was was Kiermaier hit that.
0: I think it was Kirk hit a home run, and then it was like the two
1: back to back. That
0: oh, that was that was Mm -hmm. Kiermaier and George. I think it was
1: Kier. Yeah, yeah. So Kiermaier hit the home run, and before he even finished his celebration, which yeah, okay, fair enough, he ran through the dugout like six times. But before he could (laughs) even finish his celebration, um. He was already running out because like, oh, wow, there's already a home run hit. And even as a fan, we're all sitting there watching Kiermaier go into the dugout. And then we had to look like, oh, wow, there's like the pitch has already been thrown. So I I feel like in some instances, uh, like, yeah, the umpires can have like their own discretion. But you can also say, hey, right now we want you to just stop the clock. Even if you have, I don't know, a minute between when you can start it and stop it or just something. So it's not like, okay, literally 30 seconds have passed. If you're not in the bag or at the plate, you're already out. Or already behind a strike, sorry, that's what I mean.
2: Glad you were able to fix that quickly before I came in. (laughs) But anyways, yeah, I mean, it is all stupid. Like, the fact that the umpire doesn't even know, like, what if the umpire, shouldn't the umpire just know off the top of his head that, hey, this guy, this is the first time he's back here, like, kind of let the moment soak in a bit? I guess not, maybe he did, but of course it's all a a formality, like you said, Mark, where you have to do that request for him, but yeah, I agree with you, in terms of how much, as much as I love the clock, they definitely should have, you know, in terms of just using common sense, probably should have been a little bit more, um, or they probably should have used that a little bit more than they do, but anyways, I mean, it was definitely cool, though, to see Teoscar and N back, I was happy to be there on the Friday as well and be part of the people or the crowd that gave him that standing ovation throughout the video tribute and, of course, his first at-bat of the game. So, I mean, of course, it wasn't best weekend for him in terms of striking out a lot, but, of course, he got his home run in today on the Sunday game. But it was just interesting seeing, um, I guess, him back. And, of course, he talked to the media a lot uh, throughout this weekend and basically kind of said how he was a little bit shocked by the Blue Jays trading him and he had a lot of questions. And then, of course, he went back to the fact that none of his questions ended up to matter. Because, of course, it's a business, and of course, uh, the Blue Jays were the ones who made the call and everything like that. So, and just, I guess, the whole thing where he wanted to pretty much spend his entire career with the Jays. But, of course, when we talk, we've talked about this trade so much over the offseason, and even at first, when it was, uh, it was made, it was definitely a little bit controversial through a good chunk of the fan base, I think. And maybe there's still a good chunk that still thinks it was a trade that kind of wasn't absolutely necessary. Of course, I believe from what we've all talked about throughout the winter, it was something that. All of us had the understanding of why this trade was made and, of course, how important, if you look at it now in terms of what the Jays do with Eric Swanson, how important it is to have him and, of course, how important it is to have an 8th inning guy because right now, outside of him and a couple other people, there's not a lot of trust that you have in certain relievers on this team. And, of course, that would be my only issue with this bullpen right now. But other than the fact when both, all these guys are pitching uh, in the same game, I'm pretty confident in terms of the outcome. And I think we saw that throughout the weekend of how effective this trade has been for the Blue Jays in terms of getting Eric Swanson. But, of course, it's a bittersweet move in having Teoscar Hernandez back. I mean, he had a bunch of key home runs. And he's been known or he, he'll be known for a lot of key home runs that he's had. I mean, you go back to the home opener in 2022, uh, you go back to the two home runs off of Robbie Ray in the playoffs and even th- moments throughout the last couple of years, too, where he's made his presence known. He's made a real or some really big uh, highlights for this team in terms of what he's done, m- for the most part, of course, at the plate. So it was good to see him back there. Glad there was no pitch clock violation in terms of an automatic strike uh, called against him. And um, it was just, yeah, it was pretty much a week of homecomings in terms of Charlie Montoyo's return. And, of course, Teoscar Hernandez's return. So I guess that was the interesting part about the homestand in terms of how good it was successfully. It was also a week of homecomings for former Blue Jays. No update on uh, Charlie getting the managerial job, eh? I don't know if you saw, but uh, Luis Robert didn't know Charlie Montoya's yeah. name. Like, that's, what? that's sad. <laughs> and, of course, I'm what sure you saw when he didn't on? hustle at the grounder. Yeah.
1: I was going to say, yeah, he's the guy that doesn't know uh, what They are a tire fire. Yeah. What is
0: going on in Chicago? Man, oh man. Um, okay, Jacob, you wanted to talk about Nate Pearson. You weren't here last episode to talk about the call-up, and you have opinions on how he was used this series?
1: Well, first of all, I just want to mention that your uh, biggest loon counter from our predictions episode already whoa, has whoa, a, whoa. A, a strike.
0: Okay, and who said that Kevin Gosman wouldn't win the Cy Young? That was you. So let's just... Okay, but you, took the, you took the
1: zero on Nate Pearson. Okay, Anyways. I... I
0: we will remember that the only thing that matters is the over under. <laughs> I took the under and I still got room for that to work out, so today's game helped with that. He wasn't used in today's game. I think Jacob's and, saying okay. I think Jacob's saying your days are numbered, Mark, in terms of that <laughs> <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. No, There's but... an injury coming soon. I can feel it. Oh no.
1: Anyways, all I can say is why was he warming up in the ninth inning when when Garcia was struggling? only to just go sit back down, like, and they, the broadcast put him in, uh, or the bullpen on the screen to show, and you see him warm up, and they think Zach Pop went beside him uh, at one point, like, they had guys warming up, and then Pearson just sits down, I'm like, why is he not being used, why would you call him up, and then just never use him, and like, I know it, it is a tough situation, because you do trust Garcia to get out of, out of an inning, but just give Nate Pearson that opportunity, and I don't really have like that much to say other than I just I don't understand why he's not being used at all. If you're gonna bring him up, like it's almost as if um, that whole like running joke that I saw on Twitter a couple weeks ago where uh, Zach Pop uh, or no Eric Swanson was just like never used, and people are saying oh, what is just uh, jo- does John Schneider still think he plays for the Mariners or something? Like he's never used, but I don't understand why Nate Pearson is just straight up not being used, especially if he's up. Like if you're gonna bring him up, use him. At just in any capacity i'm not saying just throw him out there just to throw him out there but i think he could have relieved garcia there just get him you know give him some innings to prove uh to prove to everyone really that he is back and he is able to i think throw innings and i think that was the big issue is everybody needed proof that he was able to consistently throw innings you know stay healthy all those types of things and it's just to me it's mind-boggling that you warm him up like and he was like legitimately throwing warm-up pitches and then he just goes and sits sits back down like it to me, I didn't really understand that at all, and it's it's, it's not like uh, I think it was the home opener. We saw Romano come out like the third or fourth inning, do like a couple tosses or whatever. And then he goes and sits down. He's like, yeah, he does that all the time. But you had him legitimately warming up, and then he just sits back down. And then you you brought up like two other relievers. It's not like oh the situation uh, was not necessary for a reliever. Like you had people warming up, and you eventually switch relievers. I just, I don't understand why you warm him up, you bring him up, you warm him up, and then you just sit him back down.
2: Before I go, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, I know you kind of touched on it, so where did, like, where, today, if you were the manager, where would he have pitched? I'm just curious. Just so I have an understanding.
1: It was, I think it was in the ninth inning, let me just pull it up, it was Garcia. So,
2: in terms, over Garcia, you would have wanted him to pitch?
1: No, not over Garcia, just, why are you going to have him warm up while Garcia's struggling? Okay. Okay. Only to just have him sit down and have like two other relievers then go out to pitch, or to warm up and then pitch.
2: So when did you want him to pitch though? Like, in, like in the ninth inning?
1: Yeah, throw him out there. Like, okay. give him the opportunity. Garcia's struggling. Give him that opportunity.
2: Yeah. No, I was just, I was just trying to get a sense of where you pictured yeah, no, it. No. Yeah. It's, it's a tough one here because, I think like this has been, this has been a heavy, uh, topic of conversation. Again, we kind of, we've talked about this in terms of how good the bullpen's been over the last, what it was, 15 innings prior to today. The stat I mentioned off the top, Jacob. And then where you look at it, though, the people that have been pitching the most, and this was highlighted on the telecast in terms of the usage, and it's pretty much just been Romano, uh, it's been Swanson, Mays has gotten a lot of um, appearances too, and guys like Jimmy Garcia, he's, he's had it, yes, uh, but it hasn't been anywhere close to what we saw last year, and of course, that's because of the fact that he has struggled out of the gate. So they're relying so much on these individual people, which is definitely making this bullpen. And it's nothing against them. I mean, they're pitching great. But of course, there's going to be days where they're not available. And then that's what we saw today in terms of, okay, you, you need to go through other guys to get these outs. And unfortunately, it didn't work out today. For me, I, I look at it and... For me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have pitched him in the ninth inning over Jimmy Garcia. I understand that they're trying to get Jimmy Garcia going. And as much as he's been struggling, for me, I just... I'd still probably lean to choosing Jimmy Garcia. However, earlier in the game, maybe I, I'll, I'd i consider it as well, though, Jacob, in terms of, you know, you, ha- you have guys here, and of course, Trevor Richards came out. He did pitch two innings, of course. He got some innings. He gave up the run. I thought as much as he gave up that run, he still pitched decent, and again, he's been pitching a lot better than I think, especially me personally, has been making it sound to be on this uh, on this podcast. But I mean, I just I look at a guy like um, Anthony Bass, who has just been an absolute disaster, and like in terms of throwing in a guy like that, perhaps I agree with you in terms of you see the usage, you see how Bass is basically. He can't get a lefty out, and of course, we saw Cal Raleigh, who is a name unfortunately we're all very familiar with now, uh, throughout the course of the fall to now, uh, who just hits home run after home run, and he did the same thing to Zach Pop, um, of course, an extra inning. So, the only locks I look at in this bullpen, and I'll say it again, is Romano and Swanson, and then probably Garcia is up there. Zach Pop, every time I get sold on him, there's a blip where he kind of goes out there and gives up a couple runs, just like he did today. The other guys, I still am throwing, I'm still i not throwing Trevor Richards in late. Anthony Bass right now, for me, I don't know where you put him because of what he's been doing. Um, and then after that, then yeah, there's a guy like Nate Pearson. So perhaps I would have liked to see seen him definitely pitch, though, throughout this series more. I definitely agree with you on that. Perhaps that'll change uh, throughout the next couple of days. But he also has to earn that as much as being gifted to that. Of course, he came out, he's only thrown an in- inning so far. He needs to do more for me to be able to include him in these types of conversations, but I don't think you're far off whatsoever. But in terms of going to the ninth inning with Jimmy Garcia, it never for me it never occurred to me of why Nate Pearson isn't pitching. If I was going to ask that
0: question, it probably would have been earlier on in the game. Yeah, I don't think the ninth was a situation for him. Like once it's like already a one run game, you're talking high leverage guys. But I think maybe like the eighth or before, if you're bringing him in instead of Bass or instead of Richards, like I think. That starts to make sense, but yeah, I don't think bringing him in in one run game makes much sense yet. Like, I I think he's getting to that point, but he's made one major league appearance so far. And he faced four batters, struck at one of them. Like, I don't think he's built himself up to those situations yet. Like so bottom line, I'm fine with what happened today. It's unfortunate they blew it, but whatever. Water under the bridge.
2: What are your What are your thoughts on
0: Bass? Uh, he can't clean up anything right now, including his own child's mess.
2: Yeah, like are we concerned about that?
1: He is not looked good like at all this season. <laughs> maybe it was a good maybe,
2: joke,
0: Mark. That
1: Thanks. was pretty. Uh,
0: maybe the answer, um, once Simber comes back from the IL, is Bass hitting something like? A, I'm sure they can find something that's nagging him right now that they can put him on the IL with, um, because yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I I feel like I haven't watched enough of his appearances to get a read on what's going wrong. Like, do either of you have an idea on Like is it command? Is it stuff not moving?
2: I think for me, it's it's the slider, first of all, I don't it's the slider for me that's a joke. Uh and the splits again, it's like he can get outs against righties, but it's the lefties where it's just it's it's terrible. And of course, when you have Tim me as the only other lefty or the actual lefty who can only throw from the left side, it kind of gives yourself a little bit more of a conflict here. So, yeah, I mean, I think that might be the answer when Adam Simber is ready. It sounds like he was he went uh, to Florida today. He's going to rehab there, get some games. And before he comes back in, he's feeling a lot better from what he said. So until then, uh, or at the point where he does come back up, I do smell some shoulder inflammation coming for <laughs> Anthony Bass, of course.
1: Honestly, I'll, yeah, what you said there—it's just he's not—he's not getting people out, and he's just—he's once he gets himself into trouble, he can't get himself out of trouble, and so probably right. We'll probably see some type of fluke injury that nobody else was expecting, but unfortunate. I mean, it, it, here's the problem—it came at the worst situ- the worst time with the whole popcorn situation because that's like people will try to trash his um his uh, pitching abilities, and then they'll somehow you mention love this the popcorn, topic. Like, it's just, it's hilarious. Well, it's golden. It, you know, hilarious it's golden. for all the wrongs. Yeah, it's, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, he's got to be better unless he wants to be off this roster. Cause like I said, Nate Pearson's pitching a lot better. Adam Simber, well in the minors, at least Adam Simber, I still trust him over Anthony Bass. He's at, yeah, well, yeah, in like six months, but uh, <laughs> anyways, Anthony Bass, his job, it's, I'm not saying it's on the line, but he's, he's getting to that point where if you're, you want to be on a competitive team, you got to be able to help that team win.
0: Okay. Jacob has spoken. Um,
1: Four games against the Red Sox.
0: The Blue Jays are shipping up to Boston. Um, As am I. I'm hoping to go to a couple games while I'm down there. Um, So that'll be fun. Uh, We get everyone except for Chris Bassett, Jose Barrios tomorrow night, series predictions. And while you give your series predictions, I'll figure out what the standings are and update you.
1: Well, Unfortunately, it looks like there's going to be two Toronto versus Boston series going on uh, this week.
2: I was waiting for that. But,
1: yeah, I had to mention that. But, um, yeah, you're going to see, I mean, the Red Sox, yeah, not not doing that well. I mean, honestly, I feel like the Blue Jays, they got to take 3 or 4 here. I'm not even looking at pitching. You've got good starts out of uh, Brios, Kikuchi, Manoa's looked a little bit better, uh, and Kevin Gosman's, you know, one of the top pitchers in the American League, if not league at this point. So... If I had to predict it, I would say they are most likely to lose that third game. It's looking like it'll be Manoa versus Pavetta, but I I don't know how you don't take three or four from this team.
2: Yeah, so... I mean, if you look at the season series from last year, of course, and how much the Jays really dominated the Red Sox, I mean, you got to feel good about everything. And of course, we're going to see the Alec Manoa versus Alex Verdugo thing too, where I'm sure everyone has an idea of what happened with that. And, yeah, I mean, just confirming what I said off the top, it is going to be four straight righties uh, that are going out for the Red Sox. And you mentioned it, Mark, everyone except for Chris Bass that's going out. So it's Kluber, it's Tanner um, Houck, and then, of course, it's Nick Pavetta, and then it's Brian Bayo on the fourth game. So it's going to be interesting. I do agree with you, Jacob. I'll go three out of four just because of the fact as much as four-game series – are tough to. I'm not going to go sweep. I mean, they're tough to do that anyway. But of course, the Jays has have or have had the Red Sox number over the past couple of um of years, and especially last year, where basically the Red Sox barely won against the Jays anyway. So I'll say they go three out of four. Um, I'll say I'll say they lose. I'll say they lose tomorrow night on Monday, but then they win three straight Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday.
1: I actually have something to retract uh, from what I just said. What? We might not see two Toronto versus Boston series because the Panthers just tied it. Oh, oh here okay. we go. Anyways, that has nothing to do with this, this podcast. You know it's let's dated let's now, anyway. Like... yeah, when yeah. people are listening to this, <laughs> well, yeah, it'll be, be done. Yeah, done. They're, they're <laughs> laughing at
2: Jacob again with the Leaf stuff. Anyways, <laughs> they'll see
1: my reaction on the on the video because oh I, God, you'll stop see it. Too, it. But <laughs> anyways,
0: um, okay. Well, uh, so Brayson has them losing game one. Jacob, you said game three. I'm going to go right in the middle and say they lose game two, but win everything else. So, uh, that's the Tanner Houck start, I think, and he's pretty good. So, I'll put my money on him. Um, and just to update the standings on where we all stand, Bryson and I got perfect predictions. We both said they would go two and one and lose game three. Three straight. So Bryson, yeah, Bryson's on a streak of three straight. He hasn't messed up a game since the Houston Astros series, April 17th to 19th. It's a very impressive run from Bryson. Jacob, you got three points because you said they would lose game one, and they didn't. So I am I caught up a little bit to Jacob. I'm still behind Bryson. Right now, it's Bryson in the lead with 24 points. Jacob is second with 21, and I'm at 20 points on the season. And we will see what happens in this series in Boston. It's going to be a fun one. As always, you can support our podcast by going to the link underneath this episode. It's in our bio on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, which is at section138pod. You can join our Discord. You can support us on Buy Us a Coffee. You can find our YouTube. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And you can rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, which always just helps spread the word about what we're doing here. We'll be back either Thursday night or Friday morning, probably Thursday night. Bryson, you're headed to Pittsburgh for that series against the Blue Jays. So we'll figure out the scheduling there. But bottom line, we're looking forward to Fenway Park and the Green Monster. We'll catch you next time.